Hello and welcome to Second Look, the show that comes to you from Outset. And it's a show where we pause and we take a look back at stuff going on in politics and culture and try to give you a different angle that hasn't come up before. Now, before I get into the show today, I just want to tell you briefly about our sponsor. You've heard me mention before Octopod and the awesome portable charging solutions that come from Octopod, but I just wanted to let you know that there is a chance for you to get a limited time huge discount if you go to octo-pod.com slash outset and use the coupon code OUTSET. So Gwyneth Paltrow, why in the world am I talking about her? Well, she's pretty well known for saying some ridiculous things. Um... If I remember correctly, last year she talked about how water has feelings and how since President Obama is so handsome, we should just give him all the power he needs to make this country a better place. Just pause and think about that for a moment, but I'll move on. Gwyneth Paltrow this past weekend tweeted out a picture um of supposedly $29 on groceries and said that it's what a family on food stamps had to live on for a single week. Well, my wife and I have been married for a little over a year. We're both full-time students. I work 25 hours a week. She used to work 15 hours a week, but recently changed jobs, so now she works about 9 hours a week. We are by no means economically privileged, but we live within our means. We are slightly above the federal poverty level, but this past weekend, Meredith and I went grocery shopping. Now, this is not a podcast episode about food stamps and their merits or their problems, but I do want to point out some of the ridiculousness of Gwyneth Paltrow's tweet. Looking at her tweet, she has a dozen eggs, two bags of beans, what looks like seven or eight limes, maybe a tomato, onion, garlic, avocado, green onions, one ear of corn, a couple types of lettuce, a bag of frozen peas, I don't know if I already said a yam, maybe some spinach, and a pack of tortillas. And she spent $29 to get all of this. Well, as I mentioned a moment ago, we went grocery shopping this past weekend, and we did not use any coupons And it just so happened, it really was a coincidence, we spent $28 grocery shopping. And let me just read off. I'm holding the receipts right here. Can you hear that? For $28 from two different grocery stores, we got one pound of broccoli, four ears of corn... Three and a half pounds of Gala apples, which was 12 apples, by the way. Almost two and a half pounds of red grapes. 
18 eggs, 2 gallons of milk, almost 5 pounds of chicken, a little over 3 pounds of pork, and a pound of strawberries. And that was $28, and as I said before, no coupons. So, this just goes to show how out of touch Hollywood, specifically Gwyneth Paltrow, is with needy Americans. My wife and I are not poor, per se. We have enough money. We live within our means. We, we always have food to put on the table. We never have to worry about paying the bills as long as we both work. But we are most certainly not wealthy either. We're college students. We work part-time jobs. And it frankly was kind of offensive to me to see Gwyneth Paltrow, whose net worth is in the hundreds of millions, to try and say that she knows better than I do how $29 can be spent. I didn't buy anything like beans or rice, but that was a lot of food that I read off. I could go over the list again, I won't, but that was $28, and that will last us. Granted, we are a family of two, not a fam. we don't have any kids, but that will last us a good long while. And as long as we buy bulk and buy when it's cheap, that meat we bought will last us a few weeks, if not a month. And we do other things to save money. For instance, we've been married a little over a year. We have never once bought beef. We always buy chicken or pork if we have meat at all. If we don't have meat, we find protein other ways, eating nuts or um, beans. So, before Gwyneth Paltrow can come and say that $29 isn't enough, she needs to learn how to grocery shop. Now, this is not a rant against Hollywood or against Gwyneth Paltrow. It's a complaint about one of her actions, but... The fact that she is such a famous actress, she could have used to help people. There are not many women in this world who can sit down and hold a dinner and charge, say, $10,000 a plate to attend this dinner, invite 200 people, and then take all that money you just raised and give it to hungry families. Gwyneth Paltrow is one of those women. She could have done that. That idea is not originally mine. I saw it on Twitter. I'm sorry, I don't remember who I saw it from. So if you're listening to this, I promise I'm not trying to steal it from you. But she could have raised tons of money, donated it to a food bank of a needy city. I happen to know that here in Tucson, where... I am currently for school, bear down, wildcats, there are lots of homeless people. There are lots of hungry people. 
people who, if they have a home, don't know if the power will be on when they get there. If they have any food at all, they don't know if it's spoiled or not. Maybe they'll have a few cans of something. People are needy. And taking a picture on Twitter that was $29 spent poorly on groceries doesn't do anything to help them. Now, it should also be said that the prices in the state of California, and specifically in the Hollywood area, are likely significantly higher than the prices in Tucson, Arizona, for groceries. Um, That also is a result of failed liberal policies, but that's another story. My challenge to Gwyneth Paltrow is this. Don't show solidarity. Solidarity is great, but at the end of the day, it's empty. Instead of trying to show solidarity, do something. Give your money to help people. Use your fame to get others to give their money to help people. If you truly care about the poor, the needy, those who are starving... If you truly care, use the resources you have at your disposal to help them. Now, one of the great things about America is that people who are poor and needy can rise above their circumstances and accomplish great things. You are not limited by the family you were born into in this country. And that is amazing. It's what some might call a miracle. People who have never experienced it, when they do so, are in awe. In America, we have this desire to leave the country better for our children than it was when we found it. You know, I am 20 years old, and yet I already have that desire. I want to make a positive impact on the world and this country every single day. It's exactly this theme that Senator Marco Rubio is trying to play off of as he launches his presidential bid. In a very emotional, impassioned speech... This afternoon of recording, Monday, April 13th, he relayed his family's story. His father was a bartender, his mother was a maid when they came to America after fleeing the Castro regime. And from these humble beginnings, through a very improbable series of events... Marco Rubio became one of the most well-known senators in the entire U.S., and he is considered to be one of the leading candidates for the Republican nomination for President of the United States. It's often declared that only in America is a rise like this possible, and that is very likely true. Throughout history, what other nation has 
inspired the son of a bartender, the son of a maid. And not only inspired, but enabled that son to come close to holding the highest, most respected office in the land. That's an incredible story. And I think Marco Rubio is uniquely positioned among the 2016 candidates to articulate that message because he's lived it. It's a whole lot more meaningful to hear him talk about his mother and his father and his story, same with Ted Cruz, than it is to hear other people talk about, oh yeah, well, these other people have had that story. (laughs) It's a lot more meaningful coming from the person who's experienced it. Not only that, but Marco Rubio is a very gifted communicator. He is one of the best public speakers I've ever seen. Every speech I've seen him give has engaged me in a way that he doesn't feel distant. He doesn't feel like a politician. He doesn't even feel like he's giving a speech. When he talks, it feels like he's sitting there next to you talking to you. And that is an incredible asset in an election. Now, I'm not going to go into detail today. I do have many issues with Senator Rubio's policies. Um, I have some things I like about him. But today, I just want to draw a sharp contrast between Senator Marco Rubio and former Senator, former First Lady, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, who yesterday announced that she was running for president. Now, an often repeated trope in conservative circles is name one accomplishment, and people are often hard-pressed to name an accomplishment. I don't want to turn this into a Clinton-bashing podcast. Frankly, that'd be very easy to do. But the fact that Hillary Clinton has chosen to run for president for a second time and that she is considered a serious contender for said presidency is mind-boggling to me. Her husband, though popular, was impeached, which should bring with it some element of, at the very least, a pause, if not shame. He has been accused of many things, but setting him aside, just looking at her record, she lied about being under sniper fire. She's been, she allegedly, when her husband was the president, hit him over the head with a book once. They had a well-known dislike for the Secret Service, and 
an often suggested strong dislike for each other. America, do we really want to put this family back in the White House? I'm not going to make arguments, really, jokes, about her age or her mobility. I, I don't doubt for a moment that she's a very capable woman, and I also don't doubt for a moment the seriousness of her presidential bid. She could win the Democratic nomination, especially if no strong contender challenges her. Um, the current field is not especially strong. She could easily win the nomination, and then after that, she could feasibly win the presidency. It is not difficult to imagine a scenario in which she does. But her story is the opposite of Senator Rubio's story. She is a wealthy, privileged American. For those of you who consider white privilege to be a thing, though she is a woman, she's very much a white woman. She got f famous through her relationship with her husband. She ran for Senate in two easy races, was elected both times, but again, they were easy races. She was widely considered to be the frontrunner for president in 2008 and lost to an upstart one-term senator from Illinois. Then as Secretary of State, she's had scandals, and um, this latest email scandal, she blatantly disregarded regulations set forth by the State Department. I don't want this woman, and, and that's not talking about her policies. I don't want this woman to be my president. And it's not because she's a woman. It's because she's Hillary Clinton. I don't know if you saw the clip from Saturday Night Live. I saw this clip online, and I have watched it so many times. I'm just dying laughing. It's about Hillary Clinton's announcement video. And they're making fun of the way she seems like she can just waltz in and take the presidency like a coronation. They, the actress who is portraying Hillary Clinton in the video is Kate McKinnon, and she is, is supposedly making this video for social media that's going to announce Hillary's candidacy, and she says, Citizens, you will elect me. I will be your leader. And then the staffers, well, Mrs. Clinton, you don't want that. And it, it's a hilarious video. I won't tell you any more of the one-liners because I want you to go watch it for yourself. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, It perfectly encapsulates, I think, the attitude that Hillary has over the presidency. She thinks she can just walk in and get the nomination. And by all appearances, she seems to think she can just then walk right on into the White House. And my question to America is, 
Do we really want that? Are we honestly at a point where we want the Clintons back in the White House? I was six years old when Bill Clinton left office. So I think it's safe to say that I don't remember much of the Clinton presidency. Those of you who do remember it, why do we want them back? Sure, there were some positives to Clinton's presidency, but every president has some positives. Don't the negatives outweigh the positives in this case? And then, that aside... Since he's not running for president, it's his wife. Well, let's look at her record. When she was in the Senate, she voted for the Iraq War. As president, is she going to try and send us back into war? As Secretary of State, she had several critical missteps. Whether or not there was any wrongdoing in Benghazi, I do not know. I'm going to leave that up to the House committee that's investigating it, but she came out and blamed the attacks on a YouTube video, which, at the very least, that narrative has been thoroughly debunked, and then refused to take responsibility, and when questioned about it, said it didn't make any difference why these men died, when really, it makes a huge difference. Did they die as a result of terrorism, or did they die as a result of a riot? That is a huge difference. Leadership failures, personality flaws. I can't fathom the fact that the Democrats are putting her forward again. And at the very least, I hope she has a strong challenger who will keep her on her toes and not just let her waltz in and take the nomination. I have a couple non-political things coming right up after a quick word from our sponsor, Octopod. I mentioned early on in the episode that Octopod had a sale going on. If you go to octo-pod.com slash outset then you can just look at whatever you want, and when you're checking out, use the coupon code OUTSET, and you will get 50% off. Now, this is a limited-time offer, so as soon as you are done listening to this episode, go over to octo-pod.com OUTSET, click what you want in your cart, Use the coupon code OUTSET, get 50% off, and never have to worry about your devices being charged again. In some non-political news, I mentioned earlier I attend the University of Arizona. We are in the Pac-12, and there was some Pac-12 track and field action that got famous. A runner from Oregon was in the lead, approaching in the finish line, and he slowed down and gestured for the crowd, moving his hand up and down in the air, gestured for the crowd to cheer with him, and they started cheering as a runner from Washington passed him and ended up winning the race, and suddenly the cheers were gone. Ouch! I am not a runner myself, but I've had good friends who are runners, and 
one lesson I have known since I was a little kid that my dad taught me was you never slow down until you're across the finish line. <laughs> and boy, did that hurt this guy from Oregon. I hope for his sake that it doesn't hurt his chances at regionals or divisionals or placing later on in the track season. But I do hope he learned his lesson to always push across the finish line. And finally tonight, Violet Petrov is a two-year-old little girl who just had an amazing, life-changing event at only two years old. She is one of two twin sisters, and she was born with a defect in her skull. And 3D printing changed her life forever. Doctors took a mold of her skull. Rather, they produced a 3D printed mold of her skull. And they were able to practice the surgery six times on 3D printed molds before they ever had to make an incision in Little Violet's body. Is that not amazing? That's just totally cool, and I'm very happy for Violet and for her family as this life-changing surgery has recorrected some facial deformities, brought her eyes a little closer together. They were they made two incisions in her face. One was down the center of the forehead, one was from ear to ear. And if it hadn't been for 3D printing, they never would have been able to do that. And that is just so incredible and heartwarming. This is the part of the show where I always feel like I should announce what I'm talking about next week, but I have absolutely no idea. So come back next week. Be surprised at what we're doing. Uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter at BGreenAZ. Uh, follow Outset Magazine. Head over to OutsetMagazine.com. Great content being posted there. The man in charge, Stephen Perkins himself, at Stephen underscore Perkins. That's Stephen with a PH. Follow him on Twitter. Also, there is a new show on the Outset Podcast Network. That is the Matt Dallas Show, and of course you can find all the information you need to know about that at OutsetMagazine.com. So there are now three shows for you to listen to every week. Second Look, the Stephen Perkins Program, and the Matt Dallas Show. I will see you right back here next week. Between now and then, please go subscribe in iTunes so you don't miss an episode, and be sure to give us a rating as well. See you next week.